Psalm 64, verses 1 through 10. He says, hear me, my God, as I voice my complaint. Protect my life from the threat of the enemy. Hide me from the conspiracy of the wicked, from the plot of evildoers. They sharpen their tongues like swords, and they aim cruel words like deadly arrows. They shoot, everybody say shoot, from ambush. That's a coward's move. At the innocent, they shoot suddenly without fear. They encourage each other in evil plans. They talk about hiding their snares. They say, who will even see it? They plot injustice and say, we have devised a perfect plan. Surely the human mind and heart are cunning. But God, everybody say, but God, will shoot, everybody say shoot, them with arrows. They will be suddenly struck down. He will turn their own tongues against them and will bring them to ruin. All who see them will shake their heads in scorn. All the people will fear. They will proclaim the works of God and ponder what he has done. Have you ever asked yourself, God, what have you done? It is so good. Do you guys believe God can do something bigger than your understanding? Maybe your dreams aren't big enough because if it's not big enough to be confused and only God can, can bring it to life, then it's too small. God, what have you done? So good. Even David thought this way. Verse 10, the righteous will rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him and the upright in the heart of glory in him. My title this morning is The Direction of Faith. Point to your neighbor as you take your seats, don't get too close, and just say, do you like canned cranberries? Thumbs up means yes. Thumbs down says, never speak to me again. Do you like canned cranberries? Come on, somebody. Are we alive? Come on. Come on, ask them if they like the cranberries. There we go. You can take your seats. That's how we do it here. We say, as you take your seats, do X, Y, Z, and then you may sit. Isn't that good? You got to teach them, Zach. They just stand there. They'll stand there for two hours. That's how faithful they are. <laughs> so funny. So who, this has nothing to do with God's inspired word today. Who likes canned cranberries? Amen, sister. Me too. Who likes the lumpy, like real cranberries? Nobody? This is God's house. This is so good. You know how much flack I've had over the years because I said I'm a canned cranberry kind of guy? You know, they slice them, and people said, no, no, that's, that's blasphemy. But Debbie, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, which happy Thanksgiving, by the way, this, this Thursday, eat up well and uh, take a good nap. We always have canned cranberries. So hate me or love me, I like them. And we've been talking about this, Debbie, for five years. You know we're going to be five years old in January? Wow. You guys are starting to get this. This is good. We're actually six years old in January, but we had our first service five years old. Five, five years ago in January. January 14th, 2018, we held a service, but we said we won't be there. But we secretly went and had church for practice, but some people showed up. I was like, oh, no, you're supposed to come next week. We're 30 minutes late. I'm never late, never late. I was 30 minutes late, Cody, and I just couldn't handle it. And that's when God showed me that there, this, takes, this takes some work. But, yeah, five years old. We got, we got something really cool coming with the merch. 
in January for our five-year limited edition something. Y'all going to love it. You're going to be fighting each other for it. In Jesus' name, you're going to be fighting for this merch. It's so good. Anyway, how many like the merch? I can't stop wearing hoodies. This is not ours, but I'm getting a little addicted to the hoodie season. Real quick, shout out online to Jen Juanita in Virginia. Camera one, camera one. If you're watching, we love you. Happy Thanksgiving. Virginia is our online VIP for the last, I don't know, four years. And I think she's watching right now. So we just wanted to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. And we'll see you soon. And thanks for the Nutter Butters. For Michelle. I don't eat those things. The direction of faith. God likes to shoot stuff. David likes to shoot stuff. Um, you know, even David had his moments where he didn't want to be out front. He even had his moments where he wanted to hide, just take a break from this. Because if you don't ever take a break, you can never recalibrate. If you never recalibrate, your mechanisms become dysfunctional and you don't put the trickle charger over it, on it over the winter. The batteries don't work in the spring. You know what I'm saying? And so even David, the fearless leader, wanted to hide sometimes here in the psalm. And this thing about faith is a very, it's a very cool buzzword in Christianity. If you ever heard of uh, Christianity, you've probably heard about this word called faith. And everybody has it, and faith is good. And what, what is faith? It's kind of abstract, right? So faith is not very useful unless you know what your faith is in. and It has a direction to it. It really does. I mean, you can have faith in, you can have faith in this roof that it's not going to fall. You can have faith in these shoes that I won't step on. If I step on a nail, they won't puncture my foot. You can have faith in a lot of things, but the only faith we're supposed to really have is in Jesus. And everything else will work itself out. And so faith, I don't know about you, feels a bit abstract to me. At times, in this ebb and flow journey of faithfulness, and it can feel very broad, where I don't really know what it is anymore. It's just this thing. And that's when you have to reel it back into focus and see, where am I pointing my faith in everything I do? And what, what does it look like? What does my faith look like? How do I have faith daily? Am I actually faithful or do I just say I am, and, but I don't even know what that means because it just sounds good. We hear, teach, and preach these thoughts very commonly in the church. But am I taught the direction of how to aim when the enemy is attacking? In the moment, how do I keep focus on my target when the enemy is attacking? You know, you know, it's really hard to do something under pressure. Like... Um, I've always told my daughter, this is from experience, if you can't sing the words without another song playing at the same time, you won't remember them in a real performance. Because you have to have, what, playing guitar, anything. You know the best way to know if it's really in there? You turn on another song while you're singing the words to the first song at the same time. And if you can just sing the song, you can handle it under pressure. What happens is when the pressure kicks in, you go blank. 
you go black. Your mind, your mind blanks out. And like singers will blank out the lyrics, and that's why they got to have lyric screens and all this. And, and back when I was a boy, we memorized the words. I'm just saying. But, you know, it's easier. I get it. And technology is cool. But, but even, even in battle, like, like if David goes into battle and he's not focused on where his faith comes from, why he's there to fight, and who, who his provider is, his arrows will just go anywhere. And he's going to get defeated, right? And so sometimes that's how it feels that, that you wake up with faith and you claim God as your provider and all these things. And then you're just going about your day like, like a blind David just pointing the arrow wherever it goes. And that's okay with most Christians nowadays. But that won't help you when you get into the fight and the enemy's really pointing back at you. How, how are you going to hit the enemy when they're pointing back at you? Because you've never even shot the thing without the enemy. So if you've never even shot the thing without the enemy, how do you know what to do under the pressure of when the enemy's pointing back at you? You know what I mean? you got to be tested there. The direction of my faith is everything to my faith prevailing. And it's relevant, and Jesus is critical, but how do we use faith as a weapon in the midst of the battle? As the enemy is raining down his attack, what do we do? The enemy's shooting arrows at my head, saying, God's not with me. So in the moment, I must remember the direction of my faith when he's shooting at me what he's faithful in, which is defeating everything God stands for. So I thought it was pretty cool here in verses 1 and 2. The psalmist says, hear me. And in verse 2, he says, hide me. He says, hear me, but hide me, which tells me there's a vulnerability in everybody who's strong. And that's a good thing. And that once in a while, you have to take a break it's easier to hide than to always triumph and be first. Like sometimes you just need a break from it. And so sometimes we just want to hide. And we can feel unprotected from the enemy's attack. Here, here he is asking God to hide him from the conspiracy of the wicked and from the plots of evildoers. Hide me. This guy's seen it all. But you can feel unprotected when your faith loses direction. You forget how powerful your weapon is. You forget how powerful prayer is. You forget how powerful God's church is. You just forget it all because you've no longer keeping your direction right with, with the faith. And sometimes, honestly, it's just like you don't want to face the problem. We've got this neighbor at this place, and every time we see the neighbor at the place, there's a problem. Hey, how you doing? Well, you know, he stepped on my grass. Hey, you know, hey, uh, you know, let me put, let me put, um, let me put a string up on the lawn so I know exactly which strands of grass are yours and which strands are mine. And I'm just so tempted, Cody, to rip that thing out and throw it on the driveway. But I don't, but I've thought about it because I'm saying, well, how long, how long do we need this string to divide the, the, the blades of grass when most of it's gravel anyway? But, like, you're, you're going to have situations like that. Anybody ever had great neighbors like that? It's awesome, isn't it? You know when you hit the garage door when you see them? You, you pull like a, like a Batman, you hit the garage, and you duck under, you jump over the laser, and you roll, and the garage shuts, and, like, you, you just got out of there. Nobody ever runs and jumps in the garage when they see that neighbor? Anyway, I guess you all just got better neighbors than us. Far, far away. This, this is hypothetical. But after a while, I pull in. I'm like, oh, 
There's again, you know, there's his name, George, or whatever. There's George again. There's George. I'm like, you know, George, why don't we talk about it? No, MIA. Then, then he disappears. Like even, even the enemy doesn't really want to fight. But they want to probe you and just, they want to poke you. Nobody likes to be poked. Does anybody want to feel like the Pillsbury Doughboy? That's not a dream. You know, like, like, like the devil's real way to get you to fail is poking you, not really, not really destroying you. We do that on our own. Am I, am I, is this going somewhere? I think you're starting to preach here. Like, like if they poke me enough, I destroy myself before I even get in the garage. Because he starts probing me and taking me back to the thing that I never wanted to be again. It's because I'm losing focus under pressure. And after a while, you just don't want to deal with it and you want to hide. And so sometimes you don't need to fight that battle. You need to just, you know, go in the garage. Or, or, or sometimes you need to go in the closet and pray and, and, and quit, quit retaliating because they did. You don't have to have the last word. Do you know the rule on Facebook is you're supposed to have the last word if it's anything political? Is that the rule? Does anybody really care? No, get a life, people. Not y'all. But, like, if you got 14 hours a day to, to talk politics on Facebook, maybe you need a better job. I'm just saying you'll have more blessing from it because no one cares what you're saying. And I don't know where that's coming from. I've got issues. See, that's what causes my arrows to miss. I start thinking about stuff. And that's what the devil's poking does. They'll poke you. He'll, they'll scorn you. They'll talk about you in secret. And then you start thinking about what are they saying? What are, what are they really saying about me or my situation? Or, or they knew that I did that back in another life, and they, they won't look at me the same. Like, that's how the devil pokes you. And that's the secret sauce to the devil shooting arrows at you. What's the direction of my faith? It's got to be aimed at Jesus, always. There's sometimes I don't want to talk to God because I just feel too far. I feel too, too, too far distant from him understanding. And so I know to point it at him, but I just don't want to pick up the bow, you know? And, and that's the devil's game. That's the poking, is that you never should stop picking up the bow and remembering that you aim to God and God aims to the enemy. And so you have to always aim your faith at Jesus, especially when it's their love, your, your loved ones. The biggest attacks come from the ones closest to you. It's just a fact. You can find it on Google, I'm sure. Amen, Yvonne. I know you're down with that. We talk, I know. So what I'm saying is that's how the enemy wants you to shoot aimlessly with your faith and quit having faith or do nothing with the bow and arrow and just go hide. But everybody after a while has to stop hiding and get back on the field. Take a break, go back out there, and stand tall with your bow, but point it at Jesus. You're not going to hit the, they say, they say um, I'm not a gun person. I mean, I have a couple, well, I, I, cap guns, you know. I have, you know, I'm not a gun person, but I've never really practiced shooting them or nothing. They say, like, if you never practice, especially with a pistol, when you actually need to use it, uh, it's game over. Don't even try, right? And so, so in fact, we've, <laughs> we've had this talk with my mother. And, uh, and so, so, so what happens is if you, if you never get under pressure in the routine, you're not going to aim right anyway. So we're not supposed to attack the enemy. We're supposed to shoot to Jesus, our faith. The direction of my faith is like an arrow. Where's it at? It says God will shoot them with his arrows, and then that's when they'll be struck down. So, so the fleshly thing is that we shoot the neighbor, I mean the arrows, 
and with the bows, the bow and arrows, not like real weapons, the spiritual arrows, that's what I meant. We, we, that's the flesh, but, but God says, no, you shoot towards me, and I'll take care of them. You know how I'm going to take care of them? I'm going to change their heart. That's so, that's so, Jesus, you're such a hippie. Like, that's so gentle. That's how he does it. He loves you to death. You know? Isn't that good? He does it with the opposite of what you expect. Like, like peace and love, man. I'm going to make peace with my brethren. I'm going to love that neighbor who irritates me, and I still do love him to death. I wave happier than I've ever waved when he comes out. And guess what he doesn't do? He'll, he'll, go, he'll go like this. He'll go. I'll go, hey, what, what should we call him? George. Hey, George. He'll go, because he feels like he has to wave. and don't like it that I still love him. You see what I'm saying? See, see, that's actually, that's how you win. Is you, I'm not really pointed at him. I'm pointed to Jesus, and I'm going to keep showing him that until one day he goes, I don't need this string in my yard anymore. It's just gravel. And he cuts that thing. <laughs> oh, fun times. But what are you aiming your faith at? What do we do with our faith? How do we direct it? When we direct our faith to him, he directs the arrows to them. That's really good. When we direct our faith to him, my arrow is a faith arrow. It's not a deadly arrow. It's a faith arrow. See, y'all thought I was trying to be violent here. I'm shooting my arrows of faith to the Lord. And when I direct my faith to him, he takes care of them. It says he will shoot them with his arrows. That means I don't have to shoot them with my arrows, because my job is to be faithful. And even if they irritate me and I feel like they need an arrow from me, like I'm going to keep giving my arrows to the Lord. Y'all tracking this? Okay? That's the only way you're going to win because, because there's a war and there's a battle. And you can win the battle, but you're going to lose the war with that approach. The only way you win the war is you stay faithful no matter what. The rest shall, shall fade away. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but, but, but God's word will never pass away. God's love will never pass away. Eternity is for, guess what, eternity. That's what I'm aiming at. If I'm aiming towards Jesus, God gives me the ability to penetrate walls. Even that big old thing. Man, that's going to be crazy when it comes down. I'm stressing about the mess, y'all. When we take that wall down. I just love dust and drywall. So good. Gets in computer fans, gets in speakers, gets everywhere. So good. But we are going to take that wall down. Even, even my, our faithfulness with our, our faith arrows can take this wall down. Hopefully New Year's Eve when we're closed. Just saying. Watch this. How many remember um, Fall Fest? Nate, are you in here? I don't know. I think he's in here. So we used to do this thing called Fall Fest out at a farm. And Ben, you're going to remember this. This is good. And they're like hunters, and I'm not. When I go hunting, I go right up to the butcher, and I say, give me that one. I throw it on my shoulder, and I walk out, and I pay, of course. <laughs> what? That's how, that's how you hunt where I come from, Chesterfield. Okay? That's what you do. You grill it yourself. Anyway. So, so we're, like, I got around some real hunters, okay, Ben and Nate, and, and they're, they got this bow and arrow set up. You remember that? And it's dark out. I'm like, who in their right mind shoots arrows in the dark? He's like, oh, it's so good, PJ. It's got a light on the tip. Like, he's got an LED lit arrow tip. So they're helping me. And keep in mind, I've had two shoulders, three shoulder surgeries, and I'm worried about just pulling the arrow back. And he's got this thing. And you remember we took a video of it? And then we slowed it down, and you see, you see the tip just, 
And thankfully, with their, with their coaching and coddling, which was kind of awkward, it hit the target. But that is, that, like, that just sums it up. Like, without God, that thing would have ended up in one of our volunteers. But with God, that thing hits the target, you know? And, like, it will never miss the target. Like, like um, you don't even have to practice. You have to practice faith. You don't have to practice shooting, though, because God, God guides the bow. That's what's so good about it. As long as I keep aim, aiming at him and I never stop aiming. And if I lose him and I quit aiming at my target, my target is Jesus. My target's not the enemy. That's why we worship. That's why they say worship's a weapon. Because when you really want to hurt the enemy, you worship to God, and God gets out the the bow and arrow. So that's why this indirect approach to winning is always through faithfulness to God, because he will prevail. Amen? Y'all getting this? Is this feeding somebody today? Good. When we focus on him, he will protect us. It says in verse 8, he will turn their own tongues against them and bring them to ruin. Just ruin. Because the direction of my faith. This is so good. Watch this. Watch this. I already read this, but I'm going to read it again. God will shoot them, verse 7, with his arrows, and that's when they'll be struck down. As you aim your faith, this is so good. Let me say this right you actually become an arrow. So at first, at first, I put my trust in God. I come to church. I repent. I get filled with the spirit of the Almighty. And now that the spirit is in me, I can act as an authorized agent for the king. And now he puts me on the field as an arrow. So, so, kind of tricked y'all. Like I said, you just got to aim to Jesus. And Jesus is like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, you step by step. And if you aim to me, guess what? I'm going to use you in the field next. You become the arrow. Who wants to be an arrow? Come on, somebody. If you don't want to be an arrow, God won't use you as an arrow. Because you got to have faith to do it. Faith takes action. Belief is, faith is belief in action. And you are meant to be God's arrow. God's church is an arrow. <laughs> this is going to get good. Let me get that in a minute. I'll get back to that. Our faith leads us to moving God's mission. And even Isaiah talked about this. So we were reading the psalm, but watch, watch this. Let me make sure this is one word in Isaiah that to me was the selling point of this. Isaiah prophesied about the Messiah. He's a prophet, okay? When he spoke, he spoke as God speaking to his people. And he spoke about what God would do in the future because it's, you know, prophecy. That means it hasn't happened yet. And he spoke of Christ. And uh, Christ prophesied of his church. And watch this in verses 1 through 3 of Isaiah 49. This is God speaking through Isaiah. Listen, this is him speaking to the people. Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me from my mother's womb, where I was hiding. He has spoken my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. Not forever. 
He made me into a polished arrow. Oh, that's good. Somebody say amen. That's good. You didn't think you really were an arrow. You thought I was just saying it. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in the quiver. And he said to me, you are my servant. Now, this is it right here. Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. He didn't just say, Israel, uh, I'm going to do some splendorful, is that a word, things. He says, you are Israel, and through you I display my splendor. You people, you church, that is who he's speaking to. Y'all getting this? That's why you are an arrow. That's why the church together, the body is an arrow to fight and to move the mission. So at first I shot my faith arrows to Jesus. Now he's got his real arrows as his arrow to defeat the enemy. Isn't that good? He always does a, a flippy flip with, with, with the faithful. That's what he does. He's like, he's like if you be faithful, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you. If you're faithful to me and you're going to feel like, I don't know if I should do it, but just remember that feeling you're feeling is because I want to use you. You were meant to be used by me. You were meant to be an arrow. But it all starts, remember, with the direction of my faith. And until I get that right, I can't be flipped over now onto the field and hit the target for God's glory. I want to tell you this quick story in closing. Um, no, I can come up. So one time I was talking to Vince. Hey, Vince, wave your hand. And he said something so profound. Do you remember this moment? That's what I was thinking. I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. I was like, I don't know, I was complaining or something. It's just so hard being a pastor. Playing my violin, you got any cheese, you know, anything like that. And um, he says, well, we're, we're like an arrow. He says, you're the tip. You remember that? And I thought, well, I don't always want to be the tip. <laughs> Can I be the tail? Can I be on the back row of the arrow, zipping? But what he said was actually so good. I never forgot it. And it actually inspired this whole sermon, Vince. Because the church is an arrow, and you got to have a tip. But the power of the arrow starts with the tip. It doesn't finish with the tip, right? There's a full arrow body behind it going through the enemy, destroying principalities of darkness, destroying um, strongholds. And so... When you think only the tip is valuable, the tip is only as valuable as the arrow behind it. And it's the weight. This is good. Y'all stand to your feet. This is good. The weight of the arrow is what gets it through the dark season. If you only had the tip, the thing wouldn't fly. You getting this? You got to have the full shape of the thing to get through. And so that's why every aspect of the church's arrow, that's us, is totally relevant to winning God's kingdom into a lost world. Isn't that good? So you can quit quit saying I don't want to be the I don't want to be on the arrow because I don't like I don't like rides or whatever. There's not six flags. <laughs> we do it together. And when you feel like the tip and you want to hide, just remember God is sending you 
out of his field. Even David wanted to hide sometimes. The biggest motivation behind the tip is the body. They're together. We are God's arrow. We are God's arrow. Look to your neighbor and say, we are his arrow. And then look to your other neighbor and say, yes, even you are part of his arrow. Quit staying in the, the satchel or whatever they put those things in. You're meant to fly through as the church. So good. Thank you, Lord, God, for this, this word that has a detail that gives us direction of what to do with our faith. Let us remember the detail in everything we do. The details are what matter. The abstract part of it is not applicable. Until we fine-tune it and know the direction of what we're doing with it, it's not powerful. And we're thankful, God, that you're the one pulling the bow. We're thankful you're the one that don't have the injury. You can pull that thing back, and if you say we're going to go, we're going to go, and you've got the best aim, you've got the best accuracy, and all we got to do is be willing to fly with you through the air like a vessel on a ship. That's all we got to be willing to do. And if you're not willing to do that, you can't be an arrow. God needs his arrows to win battles. They didn't go into battles with no weapons. They had bow and arrows. That's why we got weapons, because you can't fight with no weapons. So until you get in the weapon, uh, the artillery, you can't win no battle. God, we're thankful for the zeal of the Lord. We're thankful for the glory of the Lord. That's you. We're thankful for your omnipotent power that is bigger than anything in this world. We give you thanks for that. We stay focused in that. We keep pushing and pushing into 2023 as your razor-sharp arrow for the kingdom. We give you grace right now. We pray everybody has a wonderful Thanksgiving, and if the house of God could say, in Jesus' name, amen.